Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to Cannabis Daily for Thursday, January 20th. If you like what you see, you can check out the rest of our channel and all we do at Business of Cannabis in our Business of Cannabis archive, but you have to subscribe to our YouTube channel. For those new to Business of Cannabis since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry, and that's what we look to do here every day. Following the rundown of the key stories we're following, we'll get to our BFC Live segment, where today we'll be joined by Dan Sutton, the CEO of Tantalus Labs, based in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. We'd love to hear from you in the comments, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels, including Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Before we get going, we encourage you to check out two upcoming events. First, our retail series, which will be next week on the 26th, presented by Leafly and Vitrina Group. This is for cannabis retailers or would-be cannabis retailers talking about inventory planning for 2022. And in April, April 6th, in Miami, Business of Cannabis Miami, we'll be talking about cannabis retail tech, design, and data. You can check it all in the description below. For today's stories, U.S. MSOs are hitting the ground running in 2022. LA is home to a new cannabis incubator, IM Cannabis makes a milestone import, and oils are back for Danish medical cannabis patients. For our first story, U.S. MSOs are already making and terminating big moves in 2022. Massachusetts-based Cureleaf closed a $211 million acquisition of Arizona dispensary chain Bloom, which operates 13 shops in the state. That brings Cureleaf total dispensary count up to 121 across the U.S. Chicago's Cresco Labs terminated its plans to acquire Maryland-based Blair Wellness. Quote, we have terminated the purchase agreement with Blair Wellness due to the failure of certain closing conditions to be met prior to our specified termination date. That according to the CEO of, uh, of Cresco. Toronto's Heritage Cannabis affiliate Endocana, which is based in California, is partnered with Omni Medical Cannabis to create customized strain recommendations based on consumers' unique cannabinoid system. This according to the Financial Post. Expect more turmoil as companies grow, shrink, consolidate, and shutter in 2022. For our second story, after three years of renovations and plenty of hype, Cannabis Incubator Green Street is now open in downtown Los Angeles. This according to Forbes. The seven-story historic building includes office space for cannabis industry entrepreneurs, art galleries, an event space that accommodates cannabis consumers. Uh, Gusto Green, a restaurant on the third floor. Uh, uh, on the ground floor, sorry. Current tenants include... Country Cannabis, Vacation, Gast, Asterisk, Asterisk, uh, Trees by Game, and our friends at Hall of Flowers, include, and as well as Jason Pinsky, who's a content creator, as well as Blunt Artist Weavers. It's made difficult to fill during COVID, but quote, before COVID, everything was rented out. All the office spaces were taken, said the founder, Rama Mayo. Uh, then COVID hit and all the people left. So now we're feeding people, we're feeding people back again, back in. For our third story, I Am Cannabis, which operations in Canada and Israel and Germany, announced that Israeli subsidiary Focus Medical Herbs successfully imported almost 400 kilograms of medical cannabis grown by its wholly owned Canadian cultivator Tricome JWC Acquisition Corp., which is a mouthful, that according to a press release. The Focus Medical plans to begin sales by the end of Q1 2022. They want to sell their product under the Wagner's name, an Ontario adult use brand here. Uh, and import additional cannabis grown by TJAC, which is what we're calling it, other Canadian suppliers and elsewhere moving forward. You can check out our latest conversation with Oren Schuster. He's the CEO of IM Cannabis. We talked to him in early December. You can find that on businessofcannabis.com. Finally, 
When Canadian cultivator CanTrust was caught growing cannabis in a non-compliant, that's a nice way to put it, grow room in 2019, Danish medical cannabis consumers lost their access to oils. This according to Business Can. Now, after an initial pilot program by Denmark StenoCare, oils are back again and available uh, in the category, will, availability in the category will boost uh, patient numbers. That according to Connor O'Brien at Prohibition Partners. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all the stories and more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up on our BFC Live podcast conversation, we'll connect with Dan Sutton. He is the CEO of Tantalus Labs, a premium cannabis producer in Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Sutton recently made cannabis news by posting a corporate update via a Twitter thread that shared his company's successes over the past year. We wanted to connect with him uh, to talk about the post, about Tantalus's year in review, and what he expects from the future of Canadian cannabis. Here's this conversation with Dan Sutton. Dan Sutton, thanks for being here. Jay, always a pleasure. Great to be here. I, it's funny is probably not the word, but uh, it'll always be, I think, our last interview, or our first interview, once everything shut down during the pandemic. You and I connected. You talked about what it might mean for you, for the industry. I haven't really gone back and watched or listened to it, so we're going to forget about that. It seems so fucking long ago, but, um, but we're here now. It's 2022. Um, recently you posted a lot of information about Tantalus and sort of the path that you're on and where you are today. Talk a little bit about that thread you posted because, well, I found it fascinating. And I think others did too. Well, I appreciate it. And that thread was definitely a humble brag on behalf of my team. Uh, Tantalus Labs just had a breakout fourth quarter. We actually had quarter over quarter revenue growth of 86% which as a smaller revenue company, it's easy to achieve, easier to achieve. Uh, but I think it still puts us in, in the running for one of the fastest growing cannabis companies in Canada today. And what was interesting to me as I reflect on the last year of 2021, which was a grind for every human on earth, as well as any business operator and operations team and cultivator and everyone in the cannabis industry has been especially up against it. We didn't have access to a whole bunch of capital to inject. The market's not exactly excited about cannabis companies as of right now. And thus, we had to do it the old-fashioned way, roll up our sleeves, figure out what our customers want, continue to iterate on that kind of quality promise, and make sure we're putting high-potency, high-moisture content, high-terpene cannabis in people's hands sounds so simple when you say it that way, but it really was the culmination of a strategic planning process that lasted probably the first couple of quarters and then implementation block and tackle steady Eddie day after day for the second two. But I think the message that I wanted to put out with that tweet thread and that I really want to put out today is this is not rocket science. If you have a cannabis company that's oriented towards flower and pre-rolls, you really can deliver financial results with investing in your culture around how much you care about the details and investing in that end product quality in a way that your customers can tangibly feel. So I'm really proud of us. And I'm proud of the little ankle biters that are coming out of the woodwork 
to snatch up market share from some of the larger companies that have had a really tough time holding on to their market share. 2022 is going to be a year of substantial transition for the cannabis industry in Canada. And I really believe and hope that it will be a transition from large centralized big brands towards smaller craft operators. Maybe a little bit idealistic in that because those big guys have hundreds of millions in their treasuries and they're not going anywhere. But uh, I think Tano Slabs is a great case study in how you can deliver value for customers and you'll deliver value in, a fi- in your financials as well. I want to ask you, uh, so the ankle biter comment I like, uh, but I want to even go back further, even pre-legalization, like were people just missing the mark of what consumers wanted or was it a bit of like not being able to identify the market because there was no data? Like you guys iterated, you created the products people want like that, I get. But even from an industry wide, like it seems now the mark is being hit by people like you and some others, but like, was it just naivete or just uh, bad thinking or chasing money? Like, why is it, why are we hitting the stride now? Yeah, great question. And I mean, I can speak from the perspective of Tantalus Labs. And so I think in the illicit market in British Columbia, which I've had, you know, a lot of focus on certainly since before we launched Analyst Labs and I purchased from since I was a teenager, uh, it's easy to forget that it wasn't like every grower was kicking ass and taking names. There was a handful of really reputable operators that continued to deliver quality harvests time and again. Now, those operators were far from building in the open, right? And so at the advent of legalization, all of a sudden we had intense consumer scrutiny on every lot, every package date. You have some dry product that ships, you're going to be hearing about it. You know, complaints had a forum. You could actually say, I'm going to complain to my retailer, that retailer is going to pass it on to my territory rep. I'm going to complain to a distributor and that's going to continue to go on. So for Tannel Slab's case, we had a lot of amazing harvests. We delivered genetics that were exclusive, and we had some stuff that didn't hit the mark. And I think that that was really especially true in the late stages of 2020 and early 2021. And with the advent of lab testing, a few 18% harvests, and you're looking at your whole business being like, it doesn't matter how good my sales team is. It doesn't matter how good my social media strategy is. Consumers really want to see those high potency numbers which is sort of evolving and we're getting kind of more terpene interested parties and things like that. But I think building an airplane as it's flying combined with having to do that with the intense public scrutiny of things like Reddit forums and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's hard to be perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. We haven't seen anybody be perfect as of yet. And so for those of us that were kind of crashing through the brambles and clearing the way in the very early stages, I mean, we were one of the first companies to launch in BC, Ontario, all those kinds of things. We were kind of the whipping boy for everybody who didn't really love their product as much as they did their illicit market operators, who fairly enough have a very light burden of uh, accountability or regulatory standard or however. But there's no doubt in my mind that I want to put cannabis in people's hands that people value as much as some of the finest cannabis they've ever consumed. That will be an ongoing discipline for Channel Slabs. We approach that with humility. You got to be like, well, we had a good harvest last time. How do we make it better next time? And that mentality is really what saw us through last year. Um, I want to ask you a question because um, we are three years in. Um, we are, we are told that consumers want 20% THC plus, the high potency stuff, right? But what role do like the provinces, the, the provincial distributors play in that? 
because they're actually putting that they're making that mandate on suppliers and, and LPs and producers, whereas consumers may want something broader, right? But but they're actually culling the field based on what they think. Like, like, what comes first? Is it the provincial distributor saying we only want 20% plus, or is it consumers saying we only want 20% plus, but also that happens to be the only thing on the shelf? Like, I, I don't know, how do we evolve from this? Or where do you think that is coming from? Or is it all the places feeding into the same, you know, information i don't know well first of all i will say we have seen balanced offerings really start to proliferate which has been pretty cool Tannel slabs has been backing our harlequin especially pre-rolls from day one if you're a beginner user if you want a lighter experience if you want a more sort of cbd thc balanced body feel i don't even know how much i can say on the effect based on our health canada obligations that started to gain a lot of traction in BC. Then it started to blow up in Alberta. Then it started to blow up in Saskatchewan. I think we're just about to get it over to Ontario or we've had it there historically and we're bringing it back pre-rolls. And so people are starting to understand there's different paths that you can take. Now, all that said, that may be 2% or 3% or 5% of the market. It's not really that substantial. And so I think it is very much chicken in an egg scenario. And I lock horns with the distributors on a consistent basis. I'm not going to hang our dirty laundry out here. You know, they're actually trying their best and they're highly, highly datafied. That's true of BC, Alberta, everyone, you know, Ontario, especially, and it's a double-edged sword. It means that they're looking at historic trends to, to predict future price action. And I think what that means is if you've had a skew that blows up, it does really well then they're more apt to backfill that skew. If you have a skew that's struggled or had stockouts, which is a big question mark for us, we struggled a lot with stockouts, the data makes it look like it hasn't done that well. I'm like, yeah, it hasn't done that well week over week because there's zero inventory and those kinds of things uh, could really stunt, especially a small producer's momentum. Um, so I think that the distributors have been substantially burned by large company channel stuffing. They say, we know this is going to move. We know this is going to be awesome. You know, we've got a huge marketing plan. We're going to have boots in every store in Ontario selling this stuff. And then it does work and it doesn't move. And so everybody's playing a little bit gingerly, uh, but the data does lie. And it is true that the consumer, the average consumer in Canada is really at an optimization between THC and price. If you can get high THC for medium or low price, that is what distributors know that will sell. I think it's unfortunate. It washes over a lot of more subjective and artistic and interpretive uh, value propositions that producers can bring. Uh, but no matter what we're seeing on social media, the average consumer in Canada is absolutely seeking high THC at medium to low price. Yeah. It's it's so interesting to watch all of this unfold, but also watch other markets unfold. And I wonder how much sort of um, is is analogous, or you watch from what's happened, like in California, right? They've had a well, they've had supply chain challenges. That's that's across the board, almost everywhere. That's COVID related, whatever. But like even what consumer demand looks like over a over a time horizon, like how closely do you pay attention to what sort of other more established markets? look like in California and Colorado? Like, do you, you, you pay attention, but like, does it influence sort of what you're doing or is it strictly what is selling in Canada across our most important markets? Yeah, I mean, I, I went down to Cali uh, in October and 
went and hung out at a bunch of stores, met a bunch of people, and I've got good relationships down there with cultivators, with retailers. We're playing, paying close attention to data. I mean, the data is really valuable on the legal side, but you have to keep in mind, California still has similar statistics to Canada in terms of black market, illicit market capture, and it could, could be 50-50. They, I have some people that suggest that in concentrates, it's more like 70-30 illicit market, which is really where the risk area comes in because unregulated concentrates are where you have your highest risk of like concentrations of heavy metals and butane, residual butane and those kinds of things. And so like they have not really succeeded in displacing their illicit market. They have succeeded in creating a huge amount of new businesses and many of those businesses are suffering and on their way to failure right now and we just had uh, gavin newsom their governor suggests that they do need to have substantial tax reform substantial regulatory reform if they're going to want to make a success now i think from a product mix perspective we do get good insights from california you go into any store uh, on abbott kinney which is like probably the most premium cannabis you could pay for in LA or close to that in maybe Hollywood too. Uh, you see a lot of high THC infused pre-rolls, maybe like 30, 40% of the pre-rolls in the stores are high THC infused to the extent of like 40, 50, 60% THC with, with you know, displayed in, in there, dipped in hash, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, first of all, who are smoking these things? Because if I had one hit of that thing, it would be sitting off my ass for sure and I'd smoke a fair amount of cannabis. Um, and so I think that's an interesting segment. Uh, we've got some, some different regulatory hurdles to approach that segment, but high THC driving premium price purchases is definitely happening in California as it is here. Uh, so I don't know. I think there are also really beautiful like artisan offerings that are focused way more on how it was grown, who it was grown by, where the genetics came from. And that story will continue to break out to a niche market. Uh, but for sort of broad sweeping brand success, THC is still the metric. Jay, I hate to be the guy to tell you. Okay. Hey, I, that's why I asked you the question. Um, Dan, I want to, I appreciate always um, your openness, transparency, certainly through Twitter, but also through here. I encourage everybody to follow you because you always post interesting things. I'll post the tweet I'm talking about as we post this video. Um, and nice to connect. Hopefully we'll see you, uh, you know, not too long from now. Always a pleasure, Jay. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thanks, Dan. That was episode 14 of Cannabis Daily. Thank you for joining us this morning on YouTube. Please do subscribe and we will see you tomorrow.